Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 5, Episode 13, for Saturday the 8th of April 2023. And this is the 7th anniversary show for this podcast, the first ever episode dropped on the 4th of April 2016. So that's about as close as we're going to get to a 7th anniversary. Coming up on the podcast this week, having told you that I won't be writing much, I just knocked out over 14,000 words of my latest book this week. I'll let you know why I changed my schedule again. I've been having some feelings about writing trilogies. I'll be sharing some of those with you. And I have an update about this year's SPS Live event in London. And just as a reminder, to set expectations, this is the season five halfway episode. So this season will end on Saturday the 24th of June on episode 25. We're on episode 13 now, so we're bang in the middle of this current season. Let's start then with this writing update. My weekly word count total was 14,805 words. On Monday, I wrote 5,177 words. On Tuesday, 4,774 words. And on Wednesday, 4,854 words. That means my total words to date are now 50,074 and I have 24,296 words remaining. So last week I said to you I'll only be writing I think it was on was it Monday or Tuesday whatever it was one day a week anyway but what happened was is I just had a log jam um, clear over the weekend so I said last week I was doing a load of tax stuff and at the time that I recorded the episode last week, I was like thinking, oh, I'm never going to get this done. I was um, caught up with some just technical issues. And uh, I just had some inspiration. On, was it, the, it must have been the Saturday or later on the Friday. And all of a sudden, everything cleared. And I thought, oh, blimey, this is going to be done by Saturday. It's going to be done by the end of the weekend. So I very quickly rescheduled everything and thought, well, I'd, I'd rather get the writing done sooner rather than later. I'm not taking gratuitous days off. I thought I was going to be sweating through the tax stuff, um, you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Uh, and so I just thought, well, I, I might as well write. Let's get this book done. So it feels great to have only 24,000 words to do. That's actually, how many writing days is that? It's about five writing days now. Now, again, uh, I mentioned last week that we've got a lot of bank holidays coming up. As I record this, it's a Good Friday and Easter Monday weekend. And so I'm not going to be writing on Monday. So next week I will write Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I think the week after I can't write because my mum's visiting. And then I'll finish the book off the week after that. So it's a little bit more disjointed than I would like. But that's just the way everything has fallen. But the book will be done by the end of April. So that's a fine, good, all deadlines hit, which is great. So um, another advantage of next week, which is great, is that because my wife isn't working on Monday, she's working a full day on Tuesday, which means that I can shuffle my day and write first thing in the morning. Now, if you listen to my writing diaries that I did, if you were, <laughs> if you were dogged and persistent enough to work through those, you'll know that I don't really like my Tuesday writing day because I have to start writing at about midday on a Tuesday. And I'm a mornings person. I'd rather write first thing in the morning. I'd rather just get up and get started. That's how I like to work and always have done. 
So that Tuesday start day, although it could be a productive day for me, it's not my favourite writing day. I find it much harder to get going and keep going when I have to start writing in the middle of the day. And we're all different. Some people like working at night. That I, I'm happy to do some work at night, but I like my creative work to be done first thing in the morning. With my wife changing her schedule this week, that means I can write from, I can get started at 8.30 on Tuesday morning. So next week's writing, Tuesday and Wednesday, they will both be morning writing sessions, which is great. That plays to my writing strengths. This week, I've, it's been a hard week of writing this week. I've had to really, really squeeze it out. And that's not because I've been stuck on the story. I've just, I think I'm just struggling at the end of a trilogy now. And I think I'm struggling because my writing pattern has been disrupted. I, I, I really, I wish I just could have written straight through with this book and get it finished, but I keep losing momentum and, and then having to gain it again. But I have been thinking about trilogies a lot this week. I'm at the stage now where I've been, I've been working through book two and my wife's working through book two and I'm working book through to have it ready for Claire Cronshaw next week doing the, the final touches. And I'm pushing my way through book three, but also mindful of book one. Every now and then I'll make a very, very tiny tweak to book one just to make the plot align. Only very tiny, tiny tweaks now. For, uh, for instance, I had um, I had a lady in book one today. Uh, sorry, well, yesterday, this is when I did it. A lady who was explaining how she'd had a, a series of, she'd lost a series of babies. And I was looking at Claire Cronshaw's notes that she'd made me, and I'll talk about those in a moment or two, uh, going through book two. And I thought, that's actually, that's too much. And, and I just need to change this lady's bad experience. When I saw it on paper, I thought, wow, that's, she's, she's had a couple of years, uh, you know, a tough couple of years. So I just needed to change that time scale. And it just took me five minutes to go into Vellum, change a file, upload them to the art copy in BookFunnel. But they're tiny, tiny little tweaks where maybe you just see something like that and you think, mm, that didn't quite work actually. It's better if, it, if I do it this way. So um, I'm, I'm just holding a lot in my head. I'm holding three books in my head. And if you've listened to this podcast over the years, I can't believe it's seven years, by the way, that we've been doing this now. If you've listened to it for a long time, you, I, I always get bunched up at the end of a trilogy. And of course, if I just wrote these trilogies like, say, a traditional author would, which would be one or two years at a time, you'd have all, you'd have all the time in the world to do these trilogies. Of course, you wouldn't, you wouldn't suffer from this. This is only a consequence of us being indie authors and expecting to rattle these books out at a rate of knots. But blimey, it, it fries my brain and I find it quite hard at this stage. I find it hard when I'm, I'm balancing the, the three books and holding all that information and making sure that I, I give all the, the, art, the solutions you know, to all the things that I've left in earlier books. So at this moment in time, this is if we just put a, a kind of pinprick in this moment of time, how I feel about trilogies. I feel like I don't want to write a trilogy again. <laughs> Now, you know what I'm like, you know, never say never. I would write a trilogy, but I'm, pl I'm pleased that this particular series, this Hull-based series, it starts with a trilogy. What, what I'm doing now with this series, I'm, I'm kind of bringing everything I've learned to bear on this new series. So it's taken me ages to do this, but what I found is that trilogies work really well. They sell well. You can promote them on BookBub that, uh, you know, you could make the first book 99p or free and that then sells books two and three of the trilogy so I like that I like series I'm experiencing that with the Morecambe Bay series of nine books at the moment 
but if there if there was something wrong with the Walker Bay series of books, I mean it's a lovely substantial series. People read through it well. That's that's great. But I wrote that as three trilogies, and I can't really market trilogies two and three on BookBub because I mean they are standalone. Maybe I should try it one day. They are standalone. I don't think you have you don't have to have read the other books to enjoy them. But I think it would help. I might, I might try it one time. I might actually try. I'm speaking aloud here as after doing this podcast. I might actually try. I might get egg all over my face, of course. But I might actually try bookbubbing, say, the second trilogy in the Walk and Bay series. And then seeing if you then get back buys of trilogy one and, and forward buys of trilogy three. And see whether that works. It, I mean, really, in any kind of trilogy... You must carry some information and some references with you. So um, I, I don't think I've ever, can't think of a series I've ever read where the books themselves were standalone, but in the world of the character, they have to take some baggage with them from book to book, even though the book might be standalone. Uh, and that that's what my books are like. You don't have to have read the other books to understand them. Though obviously you get more character introduction and things like that if you've read the first books. But I might try that. It might all go pear-shaped, <laughs> and I might end up getting loads of bad reviews saying, oh, I didn't know what was going on. I don't think you would, though. So I might give that a try. Next BookBub submission, I might give that a try and just see how it goes. Anyhow, at the time of writing this book, I feel like that's the last trilogy that I want to write for a while. It's, it's, it's hard work. I love trilogies as a format. I really do. But I do find that writing at the pace that we do as indie authors it's really kind of hard it frazzles my brain balancing the three books which are all interlinked and interdependent now this series this whole series has been set up to start with a tr i'm trying to get the best of all worlds with this trilogy so it starts with a trilogy which is easy to market and then my plan if i continue to write in this whole series is then to do standalones standalone books that you could sort of sell and market separately so what i'm trying to do is to bring together all the experience i've had of writing single trilogies multiple trilogies standalone books and trying to bring all that together to create the you know the kind of marketing options that will work best so i've, I've got all sorts of permutations in my back catalog but i just thought i'd mention that that I've, I, it's been a hard week of writing this week and the story's fine when when I've done the writing I thought this story's fine nothing wrong with this but oh it's taken me a long time to to get the words out much longer normally I get my 1500 words out in an hour well it's taken me I've been writing it about one and a quarter one and a half hour sessions and I felt distracted this week too I felt like oh I don't want to be doing this I, I want to go off and do something else I want to do something easier this week I felt that very strongly but I mean that's just the kind of the ebbs and flows the rhythms of what we do there was no way I was going to stop writing <laughs> I was I'm just going to push through it and if it does need anything does need sorting I'll sort it in the edit but I'm just going to push through and get those words done now because I want to hit the, the 75,000 words and we could always fix stuff in editing and talking of editing then, my wife is halfway through book two at the moment. I'm hoping she's going to finish it this bank holiday weekend because I really need her to, to, to finish that now. And as she as she makes changes to the books, we've got it. I always share the books with my wife in a Google Doc, which means I can see the changes she's making in real time. 
So last night I just worked up to, to chapter twenty and made all those changes in my in my best copy of the of the story so far. So uh, hopefully, as I say, those will be done by Easter Monday at the latest. And I've got until Thursday of next week to get my final checks done. Now, one of the things I said to you in this edit is that I, uh, Claire Cronshaw had created a book Bible for me, which she'd shared with me, and that I would be going through Claire's book Bible to make sure that uh, spelling formats and punctuation formats that we'd agreed on, that they were consistent throughout the book. So rather than having to go and correct all the same things that she did in book one, I could at least give her a head start and go through all the things we agreed and make sure they're consistent in, in book two. And hopefully by the time we get to book three, that Bible will be fairly substantial. And uh, hopefully Claire will have fewer annoying things to fix in the book. <laughs> Chance will be a fine thing. Anyhow, um, when Claire sent me the document, she'd sent me uh, the video guide, which I'd said at the time was brilliant. She'd sent me the sort of clean edit where I just had to make the 60 changes and I'd gone through those. And I'd sort of clocked that we had the book Bible, but thought, well, that's something for later. I'd opened it, had a quick look and then, and then sort of left it waiting for when I had to go through book two with a fine tooth comb. Well, I opened up that book Bible this week and went through it with, in great detail. I've got to tell you, wow, what a great resource and document that is. Now, I've had book Bibles before, but this was, I mean, I, um, I, I wrote to Claire to tell her how brilliant I thought it was and to thank her. And, you know, she said she does that as much for her, uh, particularly with a trilogy, she does that as much for her reference as, as for mine. But wow, as an author, what a brilliant resource this was. Now, when I'd, I'd had a quick flick through it, but I hadn't realised how many pages there were on it. So an absolutely complete document. Um, it outlines the tenses you use in the chapters. It uses it, it does the time frames in the chapters. Now I was going to have to go back, but one of the things I do before it goes to beta readers, and when I've got the book written, when I when I know the whole arc of the story, is I I just do a final sense check on on the time frames because I've got usually I've got journalists or I've got police officers zipping left, right and centre doing things. And you just need to make sure that you give them something reasonable within the time frame of a day. And I might just need to start someone's morning a bit earlier at nine o'clock if I feel like I haven't really given them enough time to drive from here to there and things like that. And, and Claire has like done a chapter, it's absolutely brilliant, chapter by chapter breakdown, recording all the times, which is just a, a fantastic resource for me. Um, there's notes about all of the characters and um, any little peculiarities or descriptions that I've done. It's, it literally is a book Bible and it's, it's brilliant. It's got names, notes, characters, uh, notes about settings, you know, timeline, uh, the tenses used in each chapter, which I was very pleased to say are all the same as it should be. It's consistent throughout the book. It really is a brilliant document. And, you know, I have, have to say, as a, because this is a new experience working with Claire as an editor, I was quite happy paying what I've paid for the for the edit and, and the kind of feedback that I got. And having then being happy with that, then opened this book Bible and seen seen how much detail there is in that. And I mean that really it really is an above and beyond document. It's just it's brilliant for me as an author to have it. I'm just really, you know, grateful for it. Um you know, Claire knows more about the book than I do. It's really helpful for me. So, uh, you know, I'm really very, very happy. I was, ha you know, I was extremely happy with the edit before. I'm even happier, even happier now with the service because that's a great resource to have. So I just mentioned that. A big up, Claire, 
Again, in case you're looking for an editor, uh, I, I know um, as she would be because people are getting on very well with their editing services. I think she's pretty well booked up towards the end of the year, but it's always worth dropping her email, uh, you know, to see if she's got any slots um, if you are interested in checking out a new editor. So that's all been good. That's great. That's uh, chugging along as it should do. Marketing wise, this week, I burrowed down a little bit deeper into Amazon attribution links. And we have to remember these are fairly new, these attribution links. And, and basically, they record the clicks on um, your, your adverts and your promos that you do. And it gives you data about how many page reads you've got as a result of that click and how many sales you've got. Now, I don't quite trust the data. It doesn't quite feel ring entirely true to me at the moment. Not entirely sure. Now, you know, I know from other marketers who are doing it at a far bigger scale than me that there is a lag with some of this information um so you know i'm kind of getting used to that that lag but uh the you know the attribution links are great even if they are slightly skewed with the data because it's the only time we've ever been able to do facebook ads and bookbub ads and uh you know well with amazon ads we've already got that data but third-party ads and and at least be able to figure out how many sales and how many page reads we're getting as a result of our ad spend. So, you know, you must look at Amazon attribution links if you haven't done so far, because if you're spending any money on, on ads, on third-party ads outside Amazon, you really owe it to yourself to work out whether that money is well spent or not. Now, this week, I've been kind of getting used to it, getting used to the way it works. And I, I've done what I call a, a blunt sort of tool approach to, to the attribution links in that I've had about three adverts running on my Morecambe Bay nine pack at the moment, um, or I'm running three at the moment. One is in the Morecambe geographical area, and then the other one is, the other two are in the UK. And one of those ad formats targets uh, specific authors in my field, and the other targets uh, genres uh, in my field. And so I was using a, a kind of, you know, blunt tool to, to get the stats. What I was able to do from then that Amazon, that single Amazon attribution link was to see that across those ads, how many page reads I'd got and how many sales I was making. But what I did this week is what I, you know, what I should do and what we all should do is I created individual attribution links for each ad so that I can now track the sales and the page reads I'm getting from each ad. Because although an ad might be delivering a lot of clicks, it might not be delivering a proportional number of purchases and page reads. So we need to, to burrow down into that data a little bit more. So so they now have all my Facebook ads that I'm running on Morecambe Bay uh, 9 series, now have individual attribution links so I can track that. Now, just to give you an idea of the scale at the moment, I just took a snapshot the other day. Between the 5th of March and the 4th of April, I've had 1,214 purchases of that box set and I've had 35,552 page reads, but uh, these, these, uh, the timeframes of these uh, are slightly skew if. But over the last month, the last calendar month, I've had 395,000 page reads. That's, that's across all of my books. Now, the other thing that I observe is half of my income comes from page reads at the moment half of my income. It, it, it's been like that for a, a long time. So the, the purchases do 
give me 50% roughly, and the page reads give me the other 50% of my income from Amazon. So just a little bit of an insight there into the Facebook ads and what they're doing. Now, what, what I what I need to know actually is that you've got what, just short of 400,000 page reads last month. There aren't that many page reads at the moment coming from the Morecambe Bay nine pack. That's about 10% of my page reads. So it looks like my 12 pack is still delivering a real punch with those page reads. It would be nice to hit that kind of level with the Morecambe Bay 9 series. I've also got some BookBub news for you this week. <laughs> it's more tales of rejection, I'm afraid. So don't tell Meg the box set was rejected. I then submitted the Morecambe Bay 6 pack. That was rejected. And then I've just submitted Left for Dead, the standalone, the first book in the whole nine part series in my Morecambe Bay series and I've submitted that as a as a freebie on an international deal so it only cost me I think it was about 190 something dollars if that went and then after if that gets rejected which I'm sure it will do uh, on current form I might I'll just think it through I'll just do a sense check while my mouth isn't working you know it, I always struggle with my brain and my mouth working together I'll just give it a sense check and I might try submitting to BookBub next the second box set in the Morecambe Bay trilogy and see whether that works for me and just see whether BookBub pick up on that because I've never promoted it before we'll see how it goes okay so that's BookBub more tales of rejection I'm afraid with BookBub with other re writing related news I was listening to the uh, Mark Dawson James Blatt SPS live webinar on Monday where they were giving an idea of who's going to be appearing at the show and I've now booked my train ticket for the SPS live show now interestingly I actually had the notes down in this podcast to tell you that I wasn't going to go and the reason I wasn't going to go was because I'd seen the train the cost of the train tickets and it's um it was going to cost the whole experience with hotel train tickets and the SPS live ticket was going to cost over a thousand pounds just to go down to SPS live that's a lot of money <laughs> it's a lot of money to go down to London and if you're wondering if you're sort of thinking oh, that's not very much ask yourself would you pay a thousand pounds to come to a conference in Carlisle from London it, it's a lot of money um you know and it's a lot of money when I could get the videos as part of my ticket just watch the videos and, and have a very fraction of that expense so I definitely want to absorb the content but it's whether I wanted to pay a thousand pounds for it now a bit of jiggery pokery a couple of things came around my wife interestingly had a free Avanti train ticket now this is a first world problem but when I go down to London I'm a veteran of traveling to London remembering BBC days and things like that I have been in every train breakdown train being late train overcrowded situation that you can think of and one of the things I do in my old age this is uh, is that I only travel to London first class that's that's born out of experience I don't travel all the time on first class but I do travel beyond Preston on first class train because when you hit Preston it go it can turn to bedlam very quickly and I'm too old to be standing up in corridors like I used to when I was a student and things like that so that's a little little thing I grant myself as an old geezer is I travel from Carlisle to London first class because it means I have a comfortable journey I have a seat all the way and I'm not in a cattle truck that and that's just a kind of that's something we have to do unfortunately in the UK with our train travel that's what it's like here so 
my ticket was going to cost me 300 and something, 350 something. But my wife, interestingly, and I've made a nice discovery here that's going to save me money in future. My, my wife had a, a free train ticket and, and Avanti trains, and I've, I didn't know anything about this. Avanti trains now have a kind of um, a ticket that's in between cattle truck level and first class level. And she said, oh, I've got this ticket. It's a return ticket and it'll pay for you to go to London for free. So I, I booked the train, looked at the times and went to book my seat on the carriage. And to my great joy, the this this ticket covers me for what's effectively a first class carriage. Now, I only f travel first class because I like the the seating there. This is also taking COVID stuff into account, the seating arrangement. They have um, single row, row of seats on the left hand side and then sort of double seats on the other side. So it means I can kind of work at a table without being on a table full of strangers. I'm a bit antisocial like that. You know, I just kind of like my own private space when I'm on a train. They, they let you do those train seats. And also they've got like one antisocial seat on the train, which is like a single row seat sitting by yourself with a table, which is, which is, which is brilliant. It's my favorite seat on the plane, uh, on the train. And these sort of mid-weight tickets allow you to do that. Now, when I travel first class, it's not about being posh or being getting food or anything like that. It's about having a proper seat to work at and, and sitting in, in a certain degree of comfort. It's not about traveling first. I don't care about first. So, so what it means now is I can get a, the kind of seat that I want to sit on in a train on a long journey without paying first class prices. And in actual fact, because I use my wife's uh, free ticket that she got from Avanti, I'm going for free. I'm traveling for free there and back. So I'm a very happy man. Not only have I found out that I could now kind of do these journeys past Preston without paying first class prices, but I can still get the kind of seating that I want for a, a long journey where I could work at my laptop and things like that. So that's a great result. Now, the other thing is, is that my brother is 60 in May and I was trying to figure out, I thought I need to go and see my brother. We need to go out and um, my brother lives, where does my brother live? Aylesbury. And usually what I do from here is I tend to go to the train to Milton Keynes and he picks me up at Milton Keynes if I, if I go down to his place. But um, so I've been looking for an opportunity to meet my brother and sort of celebrate his 60th with him. And uh, usually I meet my brother when I'm down at the SPS live conference. So basically I'm going down on the Monday. I've paid for a, a twin room so that my brother and I both get a better kind of twin apartment thing in London, which again was a, a reasonable price and is very close to where the South Bank Centre is. I'm not going to have, a, I can walk there. I don't have to catch the train uh, the what's it called the underground to get to the south bank center so i've kind of amalgamated um taken my brother out for a sort of 60th night out we'll go out for food i've booked us some tickets at a comedy club and we're, we're going to have a good night out in london on the monday and then we'll i'll kind of do sps live on the tuesday and the wednesday and so i, I kind of hit two birds with one stone and so when you add all that expense up, it's kind of worth doing the journey because when I do London, it's best batch. It's so expensive. It's best if I can squeeze in as much as possible when I'm there. And last year when I went, I, um, I also got some of the train fare back because I was working at the university then. And after I'd done SPS Live, I went to do a session with the university and stayed in university accommodation overnight in London. So I, I managed to make that work financially but I've always batched things I always when I go to London for years whenever I've been to London I batch things and squeeze things in to make the most of it because it's such a uh, you know it's such a hike in terms of time and travel time uh, but also it's usually such an expense so that's a long way around of telling you that I'm going to SPS live this year that the train ticket is booked everything's booked the hotel is booked uh, definitely going now um, I've also 
got a 10k run on the Wednesday evening that I want to be back for. So uh, I shall be there all day on the Tuesday and I shall be leaving at lunchtime on the Wednesday so I can get back to Carlisle in time to do my 10k run on the Wednesday evening. So if you are going there, if you're going to SPS Live and you fancy a meetup, please drop me a line so that we can make sure we don't miss each other. It's it's pretty unlikely that I'll go to the party on Tuesday. I don't, again, this is an old geezer thing. Um, I, I spent years doing discos when I was younger because I hate, hated being at them. I'd much rather do it than be at it. <laughs> I'd much rather be the jock uh, and th than actually be there. And the strange thing is, uh, is when you're the jock with a DJ you have a much more sociable evening when you're behind the decks because you can hear yourself talk behind the decks the, the music is forced forward everybody else is is having their ears just you, you know obliterated by the sound whereas when you're behind the decks everybody comes up to chat to you anyway and you can hear yourself speak so I'm not really a big fan of being at um, sort of social events where the, the music's so loud you can't even talk to anybody anyway it's not really my thing so it's very unlikely I will go to the uh, the social night on the Tuesday, I'm more likely to sort out something with somebody you know who doesn't want to be there either and go out for food or something like that. Uh, but uh, but I, there's lots of coffee breaks and things like that. So if you are going, let me know. And if you want to meet up, of course, you might want to hide and avoid me. But if you do fancy a meet up, um, then let me know. And then let's sort of make sure that happens in the small time that I'm there because it's a great it's a great opportunity to chat to people. Um, I, I say I'm still kind of a bit in COVID mode. I don't really want to be in big sort of you know dance parties and things like that. I shall kind of keep you know keep keep on the edges of things. But I'm very happy to go out for lunch with people. Very happy to go out for coffees and food with people. That's all fine. I just don't want to be in a great big pack you know a crowd of people leaping around dancing and things like that. Not not I'm not ready for that uh, just yet. Uh, COVID wise. So that's that's what's happening. Um, if you drop me a line at paul at paulteague.com, paul at paulteague.net, I think they both still work, those email addresses. Let me know, and then let's make sure we meet up if you fancy a meetup while I'm there. A couple of other bits of general writing-related news. The Society of Authors are now producing a podcast, and the theme of it is navigating the writing industry as an author. Um, now, I, I, the Society of Authors, I, I, I get value from. I have been a member, and I'm considering being a member again. They give you, what is it they give you? Free, you get some kind of insurance with the Society of Authors. I think it might be, is it tax investigation insurance? Um, and you get it at a real kind of premium rate uh, in case the, this is UK based, of course, for tax, but in case the Inland Revenue come and do your, do your tax investigations, it's a real, it's a real pain in the butt if that happens. Um, now, interestingly, I'm, I'm, I'm covered with that because I'm using an accountant these days anyway for other things. And the accountant does kind of all, all the accounts these days, even though I, I, I put everything through uh, software. Uh, my personal tax that I take out of the business is still covered by an accountant now. Um, so the corporation tax just goes through my, my software because it, it manages everything. Um, so how did I get on to tax? I can't remember. Oh, yes, um, the SOA, the Society of Authors. I just thought I'd mention it, though, because to me, that's the kind of podcast I'll probably pick and choose from it. I won't want to listen to all of those episodes, but there's probably going to be uh, some good information there that you might find useful. Another bit of information that everybody's going to be talking about on podcasts, I'll mention it in case you miss it, is that Kobo Plus now have launched in the US and the UK. Now, the biggest surprise about this to me was, oh, I thought they were already in the US. But of course, they're just in Canada on Kobo Plus, aren't they? I'd forgotten that. 
and and Kobo Plus is is it like uh, Kobo's version of Kindle Unlimited, which means basically people can read by subscription. So all the books that I have listed wide, which is my nonfiction and my sci-fi, they are they are available in Kobo Plus. I am now going to go into Draft to Digital. Is it? No, I've, no, hang on. What have I got? I have to remember. No, I've I've listed directly in Kobo, so I need to go into Kobo to check that I am available in Kobo Plus and uh, US and UK. Now, I think I might have done that the other night. I'm Now I'm telling you, I think I might have already checked that. I have a feeling that I must have checked a box that said Kobo Plus in you know existing territories and future territories. I just want to be in Kobo Plus, basically. So um, you might just need to check. If you're in Drafter Digital, I think you'll man manually need to go in, I think, and, and sort of say, yes, I want to be in Kobo Plus in the US and UK. But in Kobo, I think it might automatically put you in. But in, in short, basically, check. Just check that you're in Kobo Plus if you want to be there. Um, the other bit of news that everybody else is going to be talking about on their podcasts is that Amazon is closing UK-based online shop Book Depository. Now, th this was another surprise to me because I hadn't got a clue that Book Depository was anything else to do, any anything to do with Amazon. I, I find Book Depository annoying rather than anything in, in the past. I don't know anything about it. It's just this annoying thing where occasionally... Uh, I found my books listed and what, what I find annoying in book depository I'm sure it's book depository is you've heard me probably mention another Paul Teague author before and he writes things about I don't know what it is strategic something or other it's very posh stuff that I, I'm not intellectually capable of writing he writes something very posh and formal and he's called Paul Teague and I think it's Book Depository where they've mixed up our author names. So this poor guy who's you know very cerebral and, and writing high quality books <laughs> <laughs> I think Book Depository's got him down as the author of my sort of nonsense. So this this guy's I'm probably his nemesis. This he's my nemesis, and I'm probably his nemesis because occasionally these these book listings get us mixed up. Now I don't know how to sort that out uh, because I I haven't got a clue how the listing got there in the first place. I've just kind of stuck with it. I know it's not a big part of the business, and I know that on a day to day basis it doesn't cause me a particular problem. So I just let it be. So to be honest, from my point of view, book depository disappearing might solve a problem for me. But again, I, I've uh, I've put a link on the page. I, I I know a lot of people seem to be getting excited about book depository. I I don't know anything about it. I just happened to see that in my BBC news feed this week, and I thought, oh, that's author news. I ought to have a read of that. Didn't know it was owned by Amazon, but it might clear up this Paul Teague author problem that I've had in the past. We'll wait and see. I've put a link to the BBC article on the show notes this week. Anyway. And while we're talking about links, I've got a couple of links to share with you this week. These are all available, by the way, on the Season 5, Episode 13 webpage at selfpublishingjourneys.com. And first of all, Fussy Librarian and Free Booksy have teamed up, so they're now doing joint promos. Now, that's good. Uh, that basically means you get double the bang for your book. Uh, I would list separately on Fussy Librarian and Free Booksy, so why not do a, a hybrid uh, advert with Fussy Library and Free Booksy. So I've put the blog post uh, talking you through that on the show notes this week, but that's great. Uh, I tend to, as I've said to you before, unless it's been a BookBub deal, I've never really had any success that excited me with 99p books on Fussy Librarian or book, 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 uh, sorry, Free Booksy. But I do like Free Booksy very much, uh, and I do like the listing site very much for first in series free. So, uh, you know, where I could get sales from future books, that work, that does work for me. But I, I mentioned that in case that's useful to you. Rachel Heron and Sasha Black 
released another episode of The Black Heron in the past week. Now, this is where they just kind of do all three chat and you know I you know I much prefer this to interviews uh, I, I I listen to very few interviews on podcasts these days it has to be something that really kind of interests me or something that's really hyper relevant to me so I tend to just listen to the opening chit chat and then I don't really listen to a lot of the interviews these days as I say I do listen to some of them but they have to be very focused on what I'm doing and so with Rachel and Sash you get virtually an hour of author chat which I love I can't get enough of this stuff this in the weeds kind of conversation and I do heartily recommend those episodes to you and I will put the show notes and a direct episode link on my show notes for this week and during that episode Rachel mentioned a couple of resources that she uses and I'm sure I've heard her mention these before but because often I'm listening in the, in the middle of the night if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning what I tend to do is put a podcast on and then I'll drift off halfway through it and then try and remember in the morning something that I should have jotted down and so this is something I've heard her mention before but I obviously didn't get to writing it down I got to writing it down this time around two resources that may be of interest to you one of them is I'm testing, the other is not of interest to me, but it might be of interest to you. So the first of those is a, a, a service called O-Write. So that's O-H-W-R-I-T-E, and the link's on the show notes anyway. It's O-Write.co. And this is uh, basically a, a computer program that allows you to, to schedule your book. So if you're writing, say you're writing a book, a 50,000 word book, and you want to write it over April, and you're writing, you only write though on say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, something like that. It allows you to input your writing schedule into a calendar. And then as you do the writing, it will auto adjust your numbers across the month in case you exceed your target or you, you, you come in under your target or on one day you're unable to write. And it kind of dynamically balances the targets that you've got for tasks, but it's not just writing. You can use it for, for non-writing tasks anyway. Now, I actually filled in the remainder of my book to just give it a test. So it's in tests for me at the moment. I don't think I'll use it at the moment. My early reaction is I don't think I'll use it personally because I tend to use, I'm using Planiway, P-L-A-N-W-A-Y. I'm using a, a plugin that turns Trello into a kind of daily calendar. I'm really getting on with that extremely well. So I plan all my days and my weeks in Planiway. And I suspect that Planiway is going to work better for me. But I know that a lot of a lot of you, uh, you know, we all want writing tools and we all want management tools. It is There is a lot of interest in O-Write for me and I might use it for other things in the future. Well worth a look though, O-Write. Uh, and it is free at the basic level. So you can just do your books in that as far as I can see I think you can have one or two projects for free you could manage a book in there for free the, the other thing that was mentioned was um, pacemaker which is a kind of com a communal sprint room now writing sprints are where you maybe write a thousand words a day and you sit in a kind of communal online room and you work with other people now this is interesting I hear a lot of younger authors talking about sprint rooms and this is something that I just don't need. It's funny, there, there are certain things that make me feel old. And, and this kind of collaborative writing is, is something that makes me feel old because I just don't get it. I, I, I don't have the need for it. And I, I just don't get sprint rooms. You know, to me, writing is something that I close the doors, everybody gets out of the way, and I get my head down, and I get the work done. And I've never tried sprinting rooms. And I look at them and I think, you know, to me, that would just be a distraction having other people there. 
Um, so, so I, you know, I just don't get sprint rooms at any level at all. I don't get the concept, but I know that a lot of people find them incredibly useful. So um, I did want to share this with you, and I might even try this one day. You know, I don't, I don't. I, what I don't want to do is is be closed to things. Uh, I don't want to have a closed mind. So I was looking at this site thinking actually that would be a good way for me to just try a writing sprint but like the minute someone disturbs me i'm out of there uh you know some the minute somebody says oh how's it going or you know how are things i'm out of there so i'm not sure that it's the right kind of thing for me but i will share it with you in case it helps you with your writing it's called pacemaker it's pacemaker.press and uh, in very simple terms as far as i can see there is a communal kind of sprint room that everybody could join or you can create your own sprint room if you want to your own customized sprint room so uh, you know i can see that that would have benefits for people who like sprints uh, i don't think it's going to benefit me but just to show that i'm not sort of old crusty and dusty and not capable of change i might actually do a writing sprint in there one day just so i've given it a try and i know what it's like moving on to personal goals then i've got a couple of quarter two goal updates that i want to just give you um i did mention in my quarter two goals uh update a couple of weeks ago that something that was very lightly penciled in was this crazy park run weekend where we might be able to do a park run in denmark a park run in norway and a park run in sweden now that's cancelled now that's off the list and the re the reason for that is is that uh, crazy park runners like me uh, they all travel to do this and in malmo in sweden it's got so ridiculous with the numbers they're unable to sort of facilitate it so they've had to cancel it and this, this is i this is quite um well i'm pleased i didn't book anything because there are loads of people they, they have a special facebook group just dedicated to this annual pilgrimage to these three park runs and they've even got a spreadsheet of people who are traveling and loads of people have already booked their planes and hotels to do this and they're all now having to find an alternative park run to do in sweden i think the nearest one's about four hours away so i'm so pleased we didn't book this preemptively but because Malmo's uh, cancelled now, and I had a feeling it would because I, I first learned about this sort of park run podcast that I listened to, and I, I was listening about the numbers and them saying, you know, how much demand that puts on the volunteers there, thinking I'm not sure that's going to go ahead. That sounds to me like it might be a bit of a problem. So I just kept my powder dry with it. Um, so I'm pleased I did because that's not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we couldn't nip across and do a sort of a Denmark and I think we could do a norway denmark and norway we could do a double but frankly we could do that we could do that sort of at another time uh, and we may still go over for the lego trip but but that is in terms of that date it's cancelled and for this quarter it's cancelled for now uh, the other thing is i've decided to add a new goal this is a stretch goal that i'm doing over summer this is a running goal by the way um so those of you who, who kind of do exercise and monitor this things will know there's an app called Strava, which records the runs and the exercise that you do. I've been using Strava for a while. I really use it as a diary uh, because it allows me to it allows me to record my runs. I don't really use it socially. I just use it as a personal diary and it allows me to put my photographs up and all my kind of memorabilia, all my records of my runs are just in Strava. I've got kind of a couple of years worth of information in Strava. Then it's just really for my personal benefit. But Strava does these little um, little goal things that you can set. And every month I, I, I get a little goal achieved for a 5K run and a 10K run. And I've been looking at the, they have like 1,000K run months and 2,000K. And I, I think I actually wrote to Strava and said, well, 100K is just a bit much for a normal person. Can you not? 
do a, a 50k goal because that's achievable for normal people and they got back to me and said oh we used to have a 50k and no one used it but I'm a bit doubtful about that but you know but anyhow I, I was just totting up while I'm doing this this month in April and thought actually I'm going to hit 100k this month so I'm going to start doing over summer those 100k per month goals so that's running 100k in April, May and June. Now it may turn out that in, you know when we get through April I can't achieve that 100k. I, I think I'm going to be able to do it fairly comfortably because I'm running a couple of 10ks each month and I think that will get me there. So um, I'm doing it as a test, a test stretch goal to see if over summer I can run 100, is, that sounds a lot of kilometers, is that right? 100k, yeah 100,000, 100, is that right? sounds a lot now I'm saying it yeah is that right 100k no it's 100 kilometers not 100,000 kilometers blimey it's me and my numbers it's, a, it's 100 kilometers not 100,000 kilometers crikey no wonder I'm getting confused yeah 100 kilometers in a month yeah so that's what I'm going to try and do I'll let you know how I get on with that so that's I'm just adding in a new uh, quarter to goal I've added it to my my planning board that brings me very neatly on to this week's healthy author updates I did a 5k run on Saturday we're on the three lap course now at my local park run uh, normally in the winter it's a bit wet on the grass uh, and we have to do five laps and at about lap three you start getting deja vu and you, you you lose track of how many laps you've done so most people like the three lap course well we were back on the three lap course on Saturday which just it just mixes it up a little bit it just means you're running on tarback and you're running on grass so that was nice that was very good nice sociable park run and then I traveled down to Lancaster on Sunday where I did a 10k race to the castle this is a race that has like a terrible hill in it my goodness um, it's a castle the clues in the castle so we have to run up the hill to the castle and it comes at about five kilometers in the race when you're beginning to flag and then you have to get up this all these steps and this hill oh my goodness it's hard anyhow at least you come down again at the end but um, that was that was great I love being back in Lancaster because we lived there you know for so many so many years and I'm back in Lancaster in a couple of weeks time too to do another race which takes me around where I used to teach and where we used to live so you know I love doing these races in Lancaster that was great fun I did the treadmill on Tuesday I'm uh, I'm going I'm recording this on Thursday so I'm going to go and do the club run with with my club outside tonight uh, I've done two weights and stretching exercise I'm actually doing um, doing the weights but I'm doing kind of more um, I'm doing a different set of exercises at the moment and it's killing me <laughs> it killed me yesterday it's really it really is quite tiring so anyhow I'm just adjusting to this new kind of sequence of, of, of exercises that I'm doing but oh my goodness I'm tired after I've done those I'll be doing park run on Saturday and then I'm back at the nature reserve on Sunday and the weather forecast looks like it's going to be okay. If you want to keep up with my healthy author updates and images, just check out paulteague.net forward slash run. Okay, that's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, it's bye-bye for now.